Good evening, Los Angeles. Welcome back to the Apologetics.com radio show. My name is Jason Gallagher, and I'll be with you for the next hour as we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. Uh, tonight, I am joined in studio by my good friend, Mr. Daniel Adrian. Daniel, how are you tonight? Very blessed to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And we are talking tonight. The topic is artificial intelligence for the glory of God. Uh, and there's no question mark at the end of that. It, it is simply a statement of fact. And we want to talk tonight a little bit about artificial intelligence and how we can use it for the glory of God. I know a lot of Christians and a lot of people in general are maybe weary of artificial intelligence. Maybe they don't quite understand the way it works and they think it's the next means of, uh, you know, the Terminator movie being taken over by robots and sentient machines. Uh, but I think we want to kind of dispel some of those myths tonight, talk about some of the practical implications and applications of what they call artificial intelligence, which I think is a misnomer, and we'll be getting into that a little bit later on the show. But we want to use it for the glory of God, and I think we are on the cusp of something as big, if not bigger, as you know, the internet tech boom of the late 1990s, early 2000s, and the way that has kind of shaped our world and shaped the way um, you know information has traveled around the world and the way we receive information today, I think we are on the cusp of something as big, if not bigger, with this whole AI movement. And Christians need not be scared of it, need not fear it. And we need to actually harness it, and we need to embrace it, and we need to build it. We need to be the ones building this technology and leveraging and using this technology um, in the same way Google influences so much of our lives today and is just so central to so much of what we do. AI will be like that, I believe. And we need to have a Christian version, a Christian company at the center of that AI doing all of the innovation and doing it in a way that is uh, biblical and true and, um, you know, blesses humanity. So that's kind of where we're going tonight. Uh, This is a sponsored show by Branch of Hope Orthodox Presbyterian Church. We are partners with the Apologetics.com ministry. We have been for uh, decades. And we come here the second Friday slash Saturday of the month and uh, bring you a show on apologetics and uh, the scriptures So if you want to know a little bit more about Branch of Hope, we are a Reformed Presbyterian Church. We meet in Torrance Sundays, 10 a.m., Pastor Paul Vigiano, and we'd love to have you join us. Come visit us. Let us know, hey, you heard us on the radio or not. Just come by and say hello. Um, That's a little bit about us. I'm an elder there. Uh, Mr. Daniel Adrian is a deacon there, been, uh, I think, serving there since 2017, probably, in a formal capacity. So Daniel, let's get into this topic, artificial intelligence for the glory of God. Um, Let's also give out the number real quick. If you guys want to call us, and we'll be throwing this number out a couple times throughout the night, we have lines open, and the number is 888-995-KKLA. It's 888-995-5552. Daniel, artificial intelligence... Um, why don't we just kind of unpack it, give it a definition, kind of how, how you think about it in, in this context. Sure. Did you want to read the one that we talked about or do we want to start with something else? Um, I could read you kind of what I have here. Um, if you do a little a Google search, there's a wide variety of uh, what you might find. You know, it might be a simulation of human intelligence Um, The one I find that actually relates to what it's actually doing is that AI is is an umbrella term, right? It encompasses a wide variety of technologies. It's not any one thing, but it includes things like machine learning, uh, deep learning, and natural language processing. And it allows machines to model or improve upon the capabilities of the human mind, right? It, it's not replacing the human mind, uh, but it, it does things. It 
it takes vast amounts of data and is able to sift through them and put them together um, according to some specific pattern in a way that a single human being could not do. It's, it's not much different than a computer or a smartphone or even a calculator, right, which is able to perform mathematical operations much more efficient than a human could with a pen and paper, right? And that's not to say that a calculator is going to become sentient or your computer is going to become sentient or your smartphone. These are all tools that have been created that actually help us to be more creative, um, to use our intellect and to magnify our intellect and to, and to use it uh, to do useful tasks. Um, that's kind of how I would frame it. I think there's a lot of good things in that framing. I'll go back to the two words that we're kind of looking at that have become this unique term when taken together, artificial and intelligence. Mm -hmm. But quickly, as you're talking about this, it's a very rare minority of the human population that can recite pi forwards and backwards to a certain number of integers. Right? 3.14. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's where most of us stop. <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, there was someone, and they call them human calculators, and I think rightly, in this sense, because they're acting, they're still human, but they're functioning like a calculator. A calculator can do this easily. The more money you pay for the calculator, the more powerful it is, and the more it can do, and that's why I'm going to set this as an analog to AI, the more it can do, the, the, the more the more numerals in pi it can give you. Right. And it can go backwards and forwards, as I said. So we would not confuse a human who can do that with other forms of intelligence. Now, I think what might be instru instructive first is none of our audience should have a problem with the artificial part. If by artificial, right. we mean technological, right? Technological intelligence. So where, where, where we really get into the weeds quickly and where so much is smuggled in by our enemies and opponents and uh, those who would disagree with us is on the intelligence part. So it, it might be interesting to see what generative AI says about intelligence. Okay. Generative AI describes intelligence as being, as having learning, reasoning, understanding, the application of knowledge, which by the way is how we define wisdom in the Western thinking, intellectual, philosophical tradition mm -hmm. and critical thinking. Okay. So a, in, the intelligence part fails in numerous parts of this definition. It doesn't really learn the way a human learns. It certainly doesn't reason. It mm -hmm. can't. Uh, it understands after a fashion, but again, in an artificial or technological way. It doesn't have wisdom. The application of knowledge, it can't apply what it learns, in quotes, to the situations you you feed it. Right. And then it's not a critical thinker. I mean, we we all, this show is challenging thinkers to believe and believers to think, challenging believers to think and thinkers to believe. Mm -hmm. We stress critical thinking among humans. That's not even a skill that's right. as widely spread right, among right. human population as we'd like. So I'm just pointing out that even a generative mm -hmm. AI generated, if you'll pardon the repetition, but uh, constructed definition is showing where it's not meeting what we would call criteria for intelligence. So yes, simulating human intelligence is useful because the best AI is modeling a neural network, but with silicone ones and zeros. Yeah. Binary. Exactly. Yeah, like code. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my, my thinking and my neural network and yours and every humans is not just a set of data resting on some store of storage, right? It's not mm -hmm. a, it's not a data set on a storage medium, which is what this is at a very high level. Right. So as we build complexity on what this thing is and what it's doing, we can't lose sight of the fact. And you very well pointed out as we talked about this in advance, it's still code on a server or something like that. Like I right. said, some, some amount of data, on a storage medium somewhere in yes. the world. Any AI that you interface with, you know, chat GPT, you mentioned a few other ones. Yeah, there's a bunch. Daniel, um, it boils down to dormant code 
on a server somewhere, and it requires some sort of some sort of human input, right? And that's where the intelligence is. Um, we humans are the intelligence. We are the I of the AI, right? We are the intelligence, right? And what it's doing, I think a better a better term that I've heard people say is it's augmented intelligence, AI augmented intelligence, is that it's improving our intelligence in the same way a computer or a calculator improves our intelligence, right? It's able to spot patterns and stream things together in a way that we can't, right? And at a speed that we just can't, right? So it's it's implementing and in, in, it's integrating with us in order to magnify you know, our, our intelligence. So people should not be afraid that this is going to become some sort of God. I think that's kind of the storyline that's been, um, put forth by, you know, if you wanted to say Silicon Valley, um, they dream of it becoming a God like someday. Um, but it's no different. That's basically, you know, saying that your calculator or your smartphone is going to become sentient. You know, your 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 smartphone sitting on your table is going to come become sentient on its own without any sort of human interaction with it and that's just, you know, that's absurd and and that's really what AI boils down to. It's it's just code sitting on a server. It's all been pre-programmed um and I think honestly, some of the story and some of the narrative around AI, some of even the science fiction movies, right? And these are great movies, and I love them. But I think it's kind of put this idea in people's minds, like the Terminator or the Matrix, that these that these machines are going to somehow rebel and become their own autonomous, you know, uh, reasoning entities that can then turn on their on their creators um, and turn against them. Um, but any AI that you really interact with, it has been pre-programmed and it's been pre-programmed with a set of presuppositions, right? That you real that they want people to believe are truth. And I think this is where as Christians, we need to be somewhat understanding of what's maybe the agenda behind this, just in the same way that television had has become um, just a means of programming, a means of propaganda, right? TV, the news, all those things. It was, it was, um, you know, they built these big, huge uh, TV media corporations um, to basically put forth a narrative, put forth ideas, and to kind of shape the worldview of the people that are uh, watching these televisions, and then that. Then you had the internet, obviously, right? Same idea. Another another way of controlling information, controlling what you see, what you hear. This is going to be another version of that. If you talk to certain AIs, chat GPT, you ask it certain questions, it will not give you an objective answer. Um, I don't, you know, you could think of examples off the top of your head, but you know, it's going to tell you what it thinks about who Jesus Christ is, for example. Um, was Jesus Christ God? If you tried to ask it like theological questions of biblical truth, it's going to give you certain answers that are coming from a pre-programmed perspective. It's not like it's somehow coming up with this objective truth and what comes out of it. Um, but I want they want people to think that, right? That it's it's this... You know, um, it's it's pulling objective truth out of the universe somewhere, out of thin air, and it's giving it to you. And this is now the new standard of what is true, or what is good, or what is evil. Yeah, and I think you're highlighting one of the great tragedies that's already present. Numerous articles have already been written about people, and this is heartbreaking. This should really level us spiritually, emotionally because it's so sad, it's so tragic. Um, they're asking these things, these created things, these things that have human biases pre-programmed and programmed into them, hard-coded hard into them, pun intended, mm -hmm. uh, existential questions. 
mm-hmm. you wouldn't ask any other tool an existential question. And we've seen this with Google, right. but Google and other search engines just saying Google is a stand-in because, and you should all switch from Google. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but, but Google as the dominant uh, world-eating search engine company and a big threat coming from the AI space as well with their AI they give you it's it should be a game that you play it should be an intellectual exercise if you ask google who jesus christ is no christian should ask who jesus christ is of google and then change their beliefs the analogy there would be however advanced you know yeah. the wildest conceptions of ai get if 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 that thing can answer can can change your view on ultimate truth then you have given it godlike authority over your own intelligence. Right. And I want to back up a little bit and mm-hmm. really emphasize what you said earlier, which is these things are starting out with their creator's ideas. So they're created. Yep. They're programmed with those people's ideas about ultimate reality, truth, ethics, morals. And that is precisely the problem, because those people have no business being anywhere near any levers of power. They shouldn't be a city councilman. They shouldn't be anything. They shouldn't be your local dog catcher. Mm -hmm. And they are programming their false worldviews into these things. And that's where the danger does need to be not feared, but appreciated. It needs to be acknowledged and it needs to be combated. So you kind of gave the answer at the beginning, which is we need to have a Christian AI. You know, Elon Musk, I don't know how familiar the audience is with this stuff, but Elon Musk has famously said that the AI he's working on is going to be the based AI. Well, the only based AI would be one based on biblical, based on, pun intended, (laughs) uh, would be founded in Christian biblical presuppositions. Define the word based. When Elon says his, his AI will be the based AI. So based is slang. Does that mean non-politically correct? Or like what is based he probably, what does based mean in that context? He probably he does mean largely politically correct, right? But if I give you like a more internet y definition, yeah. which I'll pull up. But he does he he reduces a lot of things to political correctness. And and that's not gonna help you. That's not going to help you in your ultimate search for truth unless if you believe that truth is outside the Overton window. The Overton window is this idea of what's allowable in discussion. So we're not even allowed to think about certain things, right? Taboos, intellectual or thinking related taboos. Right. So if you believe that truth is not is being ruled out of discourse, that that's the political correctness angle. Um, But it it would also be. A, co- a commitment to truth, even where it offends. So right. if I used less Gen Z slang, and sorry, Gen Z, call in and correct me and, and nuance my definition, help it get better. But what Elon would also say is, in a more technical way, he describes his, ironically, or <laughs> ironically and hilariously, he he's committed to first principles thinking. And I would say, yes, that's exactly what you should do, not only in engineering, not only in running businesses and trying to solve complex problems, but in whatever you do, it's we need to agree what on what the first principles are. Mm-hmm. And in apologetic circles, we commonly refer to this as presuppositionalism. So he's arguing for yeah. a form of presuppositionalism, interestingly. Yeah. And it is based to follow those first principles through even if it upsets mm-hmm. i don't know the whole world really right you know mm-hmm. contramundum as we'd say in our circles athanasius was based for standing on the deity of christ against all yeah. comers uh and we should be based in that sense uh based in christ build we should be focusing on christ as the principle the first principle and his word mm-hmm. from which we proceed for everything comes from that starting point christ and his word Christ as he's revealed in his word and the word of God itself, the inscripturated written word. So the incarnate word, the living word, and the written word. So that's what we would that's what we would start our AI, and that's what we should be starting our AI, our AI projects on. That's what our search engine should have been. You mentioned Google. Google should have been mm-hmm. a Christocentric 
a biblical, a God honoring search engine. Right. And people, people, if you use Google, you will, you're basically, you're coming across quote unquote AI, you know, every time you do a Google search and you'll see this if you type, you know, Donald Trump is, and then it'll give you all of these suggestions. You know, Donald Trump is a great guy or a terrible guy. It'll probably lean towards a terrible guy or it'll say like a liar or it'll say, and that is sifting through obviously lots and lots of data and different search queries that some people might have popped in, but it's biasing it, you know, and you, you could see this, um, you know, if you type Hillary, Hillary Clinton is, it'll say like a great person or whatever, it'll finish the sentence with something, you know, something more positive, putting them in a positive light and it'll put certain other people in, you know, negative lights. And that's the bias that's inherent in these things because they're not objective. They are programmed and they're programmed in a certain way and they're, and they're told to limit certain things and to, you know, highlight others. And, you know, I think it's important that Christians just, you need to understand that. You need to understand that's the way these things work. And it's important that we don't just sit, sit by the wayside and watch these things unfold, being critical of them and skeptical of them and uh, fearful of them. We actually need to take the reins and we need to be building our own AI, you know, engines that yeah. people can use and leverage for the glory of God, right? Um, and they could be, you know, doing doing things that we can never do to advance, you know, God's kingdom. Yeah, and and even even beyond that, or or even undergirding that would be at its core. At the at the root language at, at the programming the program the programmed center of it should be the explicit end goal of the glorification of God. So let's talk about that since that's part of the title of our show, right? Um, artificial intelligence for the glory of God, and so let's talk about the glory of glory of God. You know, the first question of the catechism: How can you glorify God? Or not? No, I'm sorry. What is the chief, chief end of man? You know, uh, to love, to glorify, to glorify God. God and enjoy Him forever. And then in my children's version of it, it says, "How can you glorify God by loving Him and obeying His commands?" And so, to glorify God, uh, we are called to love Him and obey Him. And so, the question is: Artificial intelligence? Can we use artificial intelligence towards that end? to help people, to help ourselves and others love God and obey his commands? And the simple answer to that is yes. So can AI be used to glorify God? Absolutely. Should it be used to glorify God? Absolutely. Just like everything else, you know, should be everything that we do in our lives should have the end goal of bringing glory to God. And, um, the Shorter Catechism, question two, asks us, what, what has God given us? What rule has God given us so that we can glorify him and enjoy him? And the answer is the word of God, the scriptures. That is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him. And so if AI at its core is leveraged to do that, to bring forth the truth of the word of God uh, contained in the scriptures, then yes, we can use AI to glorify God. Yeah, so and we, we should. Yes, so we would in the way that we, and again using using the language that they use because they think of our brains as computers. Uh, it, in the same way that we would quote unquote program ourselves as what we start from is everything in the Word of God, all sixty six, every single word, every single individual word, and piece and component of the word of God contained in the 66 books of the Bible is, are, are true. Each of them are true. The whole thing is a true as a whole is true as a whole. And there are no contradictions found therein. There's nothing contradictory within that whole set. That's how we should quote unquote program ourselves. Yeah. That's what we would program into 
a true a truly useful AI. Right. That would be the starting point, and that should be our starting point. That's the analogy between our intelligence and this tool that we're going to use. That's what's going to be fruitful in enriching our understanding of how to glorify God and how to obey him and how to love him. What the children's catechism or the first catechism is pointing out is that we should have this love that proceeds from our souls, right? Our affection, our will, our emotions, our thinking, all of us should have love towards God. And the way that that's expressed outwardly is by obedience. Mm -hmm. So certainly if we back up and I'm running into a break here, but if I back up one step to Google, that's a search mm. algorithm. So if I can use that to glorify God by searching things that help me to obey God and understand his word, yeah. then any, some almost unimaginably number, high number of algorithms working in a complicated interrelationship with one another can be leveraged, to use a word you used earlier, and used to that same end. Amen. Yeah, and as we approach the break and we're, you know, you're kind of mentioning Google, I think it's important to frame this in the sense that we are, in terms of AI, we're at the ground floor of AI um, in the sense of building the next Google with this technology. And I believe it's important for Christians to understand that and to be at the forefront of that because in the next 10, 15, 20 years, what AI does will be as much a part of our daily lives as Google is today. So um, we want to make sure that that's under the Lordship of Christ. So we'll be talking about that in the next half hour. So stick with us. This is apologetics.com. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the apologetics.com radio show. We are in the second half of our shows. We challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe tonight we are talking about artificial intelligence for the glory of God. And we spent some time in the first half unpacking this idea, what is artificial intelligence, kind of bringing it under uh, a bit more of a, a Christian framework from the um, perspective that artificial intelligence really boils down to computer code that's sitting on a server somewhere that is designed to do a specific thing. And it is not intelligence in any sense of the word as we would think of a human being having intelligence and rationality and autonomy. And as we consider this topic in the second half of the show, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the practical implications and necessities, I believe, for us as Christians in leveraging this technology, this sort of engineering um, development for the glory of God. And I think we're on the cusp of something huge in the same way, you know, in at the turn of the century, the late 90s, you know, Google was nothing but then it became, it, it is what it is today, you know, as everyone knows, I think that artificial intelligence, AI, quote unquote, world is going to be creating technologies that have more power and more influence over vast amounts of information that people are interacting with and the ability to shape culture and to shape worldviews. And Christians need to understand that reality and kind of opportunity and leverage that for the glory of God and for the advancement of his kingdom. And that involves understanding that we don't need to be afraid of artificial intelligence in any way whatsoever. It's not going to take over the world. It's not going to become sentient any more than our cell phones are or our TI-85 calculators are, or whatever. Um, so we kind of unpacked that a bit in the first half. So I want to throw out our number again. If you want to join this conversation, give us your thoughts, your input, your experience with AI. Uh, give us a call, 888-995-5552. That's 888 
99.5 KKLA. Uh, we'll be here to take your call for another half an hour or so. But as we think about building and this question of where do we go with this, how do we leverage this, um, we talked at the very end, Daniel was talking about Google. Um, and the question is, you know, do you want Google to become the next Google and when it comes to AI? Or do you want Christian leaders to build the next Google as it relates to AI, right? And that's kind of what's at stake, I believe. Um, you can, you know, feel free to disagree with me. That's totally fine. But I think this technology is going to be so dramatically influential over the next decade. Um, people are going to look at the outputs from this technology and they're going to take it as fact, right? They're just going to punch in something and they're going to take it as fact because this is, this is artificial intelligence, right? This is like real objective truth. And it's really no different than what they see today on the TV. They take that as fact, whatever the, the newsman says or whatever. They take that as fact. It's really unquestionable. Whatever they see in the, their social media feeds or, you know, uh, they, they take a lot of that and it shapes our worldview. It shapes our view of reality. And it's going to be the exact same thing with AI, except I think on a more powerful and larger scale. Do you want to add anything to that, Daniel? Yeah, I'm actually glad you you circled back around to one part of that because if you look at so what why does AI constitute a greater threat than mass media? It does, and not that we should be fearful of it, but the, the reason why it's a, a an, an ever more clear and present danger, and increasingly so, is because AI is not only going to contain or house or store and bring before your eyes the media that's going to condition you and brainwash you. It's going to generate it. So yeah. it, it's the, it, it would be like a movie studio that made its own movies apart from us getting in there and, and taking control. Right. Right. So if somehow Paramount could just not picking on Paramount in particular, just the right. first, if, if they can't, if it could somehow just, vomit out content and i use yeah. that advisedly right, right, right with no with with minimal human inputs yeah right so your right. tv station is generating bad content on its own right apart from a lot of programming directors and and the makers of so forth there are estimates right. that in five to ten years there will be more ai generated content and i, I mean conservative estimates on the 10-year side yeah then there will be strictly human generated content and we're saying this with what we built on in the first part saying so we're not saying that ai is doing this out of something from itself right it is right. dormant code to use what you used in the first segment but that that should be taken under consideration and then further mm -hmm. what, what we need to look at is if you the people who control these things already the the technological centers of power are not the good guys mm-hmm Elon Musk, right. might, we, we might be more or less favorable to Elon Musk, depending on our perspectives. We might think he's one of the good ones, but he's not He's not yet, Lord willing, he will be, but he's not yet in submission to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mm -hmm. And so just like everything else that's created needs to be brought under Christ's explicit lordship and kingship, mm -hmm. so too does anything technological, whether, whether a tool or whether an aid to learning— which I think AI will be. I think AI will really help us in our learning. And so yeah. I want to just – oh, so go ahead. Go. Yeah, no, I'm just – I mean, you just threw my my mind. I mean, AI it, – it, they've talked about AI being a tool for children in very, very remote countries where there's no access to good schools or good teachers. AI can come in there on a little simple, you know – computer interface and it could teach you how to read. It could teach you math. It could teach you science. It could teach you history, right? And it will, and it will. But the problem is, or the opportunity is, that will be coming from a very specific worldview, depending on who is the creator of that AI technology. It's not objective on its own. 
It is all pre-programmed. And do we want to control that or do we want, you know, non-Christians to be, have total control over this technology? Yeah, and even yeah. if they try to give it a veneer, an appearance of objectivity, right? So these right. are the arguments. Because of the nature of the programmed in, the in-programmed bias of the programmers, mm-hmm. it's going to weight the answers. Uh, yeah. We talked about, I, I'm, I don't think any AI that you have access to will give you revisionist narratives of World War II. I don't think any AI will give you a favorable view of the Crusades, like what the Crusades did as a positive force for good right. in in uh, <laughs> I must use a word that is supposedly not acceptable anymore, but in in beating back influences of thinking from a Mahometan or an Islamic perspective over against a Western Catholic Orthodox perspective. Yeah. Right. So that was that was part of there was an intellectual component to the war that we commonly refer to as the Crusades. It's not going to give you a favorable reading. I, I would be pleasantly surprised if it did. I would be actually very surprised and very pleasantly surprised if it gave you anything towards a favorable view of what the Crusades did yeah. in putting down right. views right. of Muhammad. And so it'll it's it's another way to shape the the next generation's worldview, but also the current generation's worldview. Um, I did want to go over to a call that we have from a LaShawn in Los Angeles. LaShawn, how you doing? Thanks for calling in tonight. I'm good, and I'm blessed. Good. I, I, I listen, listen to you all, and there, there are some things that concern me. However, I, don't, I, I would never associate the God that we serve or claim the name of fame with anything artificial because I don't serve an artificial God. So sometimes what may try to make sense in our in our minds, God's not going to always make it. It's not going to always appear as he operates to make sense in our point of view. But what we what makes sense, which is that we stand on his word and his promises, and that's where our faith comes in, that we trust. When we live according to the scriptures and we pray, we're able to even rebuke death. He said, these are the signs that follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. We can cast these things out, but it's our faith that be unto us. Some of these things, why we are not casting a lot of things out is because we've got too many things operating in our lives that are not of him. We don't know him well enough. We haven't trusted him well enough. Our faith is not strong enough to to overcome and face the obstacles that we have. But the same power that he gave yesterday is the same power he gives today and forevermore. Mm-hmm. If, if you know if Gideon was was able to to bring down three hundred, brought down the thousands. Amen. That yep. they again, then he will do the same. He don't have, we don't absolutely have, he doesn't have any respect of persons. Very true. So it's Very true. That be it unto us. And AI and all this other stuff that's running roaming down there on the World Wide Web ain't no different, and ain't no bigger yeah. or smaller. Yeah. Amen. Only thing we, is the, we have to operate in the power that he's given us. Amen. Thank you for that. Thank you for that comment on, on the topic. Okay. We appreciate it. God bless. God bless. Call us again soon. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, and if I'm understanding— Yeah, great, her, great oh, comment. Yeah, exactly. If I'm understanding her correctly, uh, that's the case we're making, right? If you cede power over to others— if you give away your power, which is what we've done with this, then you are liable to whatever those people are involved with. Yeah. And they're not yet, uh, although I pray that they will be converted. I think one of the things we should be praying for is that people in this field would be converted and would use this to the glory of God. Uh, And we should build it ourselves. And that's the analogy I'm going to make that I started to earlier to as an aid to learning. But I would totally agree that it's, 
we have no reason to fear and every reason to trust and therefore hope in God because he is winning. He has won. He will win. This is not a matter of discussion. There's not a, there's not a possible threat that AI poses that will overturn the gospel or the truth of the word of God, or that God's moral law is binding everywhere on all men and women and children in every place and condition. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of hope to be derived from her encouraging words. But when I say an aid to learning, just really quickly, we can look at the university system. So the university system arose, and that has been the single most powerful educative force in training up people intellectually, in equipping people as to learning applied to cognition, thinking about things, et cetera. And Mm -hmm. so it started as a distinctly Christian contribution. And then we did what we were supposed to do during the Reformation, which is we started doing, we started building parallel institutions and taking over existing institutions Mm -hmm. that were lost in papal darkness, brought back the biblical truth, the light of the gospel. And then that all got swept away. Out of darkness light. Mm -hmm. Yep. Post-Tenebrous Lux. Yep. My Latin is bad. (laughs) After darkness light, out of darkness light. But then the endarkenment, the ensatanment, known as the enlightenment, came in, and we allowed ungodly, unbelieving, unbiblical presuppositions to govern the life of the mind. And those institutions that were supposed to be Protestant became what was at that point known as liberal, which by which I mean they were they became infected with the ideas of materialism physicalism anti-supernaturalism so downgrading mm-hmm. and devaluing the word of god and overvaluing precisely what we started to react against which is this too high view of man's reason right man's reason yeah. is amazing we're made in the image and likeness of god we should use our reason but it's fallen post fall after adam's fall it's subject something about the creature rather than the creator Exactly. (laughs) Uh, You know, confusing communicable attributes and incommunicable attributes. Uh, You know, not understanding that God is God and we are not. And so Mm -hmm. if we think about it in the framework of Genesis 1, 26 through 27, right? And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Mm-hmm. This is, to use an old phrase that's fallen out of favor, but this is this is a tool of dominion. This is part of culture making. So we would not look at fire and say, fire can hurt us, and therefore it's dangerous. You said earlier, we're not going to look at our smartphones and say smartphones are going to take over the world and subvert the gospel, subvert the Christian faith. It's, that's because you're looking at a tool as a tool. My conservative friends in the mm-hmm. audience, my right-wing-leaning people in the audience— they would never acknowledge that a gun is going to fire itself. It's going right. to shoot itself and kill someone, right? The, the, expre- the expression we used to use in, the, in polemics in trying to convey the sovereign and God-given right uh, to self-defense, the God-given right of self-defense, sovereign under him, who's truly sovereign, is, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Right. So AI doesn't kill people. AI programmers, AI controllers kill people. Yeah, it's it, it's going to be a tool used to evil ends that we're reacting against. Mm-hmm. And so, like I would say, we need to build parallel institutions and then take over existing institutions. In the case of all institutions, but I was using universities earlier. That's precisely what you need to do with AI, right? So Elon Musk founded OpenAI as a nonprofit, not-for-profit, nonprofit, and the the goal was to fight against Google's AI. And then that became a for-profit corporation with a nonprofit veneer. And so he bailed out as a founding and board member, and then he started his own. He's modeling from his, you know, twisted, perverted first principles thinking, what we should be doing as Christians is saying like, okay, if we can't currently take over Google's AI, we should at least build our own to compete with it. Mm-hmm. And then we should be, for those of you who are interested in this stuff and want to work in this field, you should take jobs there and you should take jobs with the Christian companies as they rise up. And we should be a part of this in the sense of with the end to 
subverting it in a godly way, but in suborning it and subjecting it to Christ's kingship and the glorification of him, his father, and the spirit of God, one God, not three gods. The yeah. triune Lord should be at the center of this. And that verse that I, that passage that I read is part of that superset of data that I talked about, that, that, that root core source code that we would program into it and that should be at the source at the center of our own souls and thinking that's what Mm -hmm. we would do in this aid to thinking just like that's what we would do with university curriculum right or curricula curriculas that's what we would do right if we were to found a university that would be at its center that would be the heart of the university Mm -hmm. that's what our seminaries all should be and some are faithful seminaries thank god and some colleges too so that's the analogy I'm drawing between if this is going to be an aid to learning. And then yeah. if you go back to the culture creating mechanism, mm-hmm. then what if the songs generated in quotes by AI were God honoring songs? What if the books, what if the movies? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're potentially on the cusp of a world where AI is going to quote unquote, make a film and put it out yep. just with that you know, just running that operation right? like it does with, you can say, you know, give me an image of this in right. this style of, so I can say, make me a movie uh, about the gospel in the style of Martin Scorsese instead of, or Scorsese, instead of saying, make me another horrifically violent, nihilistic, <laughs> empty, meaningless, caped crusader movie or something, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, oh yeah. So even in the culture making part, or especially yeah. in the culture making part, we can be doing this already and we should be. Right. And then we should not be just content to say, well, they'll build it for us and then hopefully it'll just fall into our laps, you know, at some appointed time. There is a role for us in doing this work and in taking over these things in a godly way, I'm not advocating violence or anything like that, but in this sense of we're taking every thought captive. This is part of the outworking of that. Yeah. Yeah. We need to start building now. Right. And I think LaShawn's comment when she called in was great. She referred to Gideon. I don't know if you heard that, but she's like, Gideon had 300 men. He whittled down, you know, Gideon to 300 men and just conquered thousands. And that's kind of how God, works right that's the god that we serve and you know just kind of thinking of it in light of this ai is a tool that is like it allows you to magnify your reach and your your power and your ability to influence in the same way gideon you don't need a million people you need like one computer program you know that could magnify your intellect, magnify your creativity. You're talking about movies. You're talking about music. You're talking about images, right? If you have a Christian-based, and this doesn't mean, you know, everything just comes out with a scripture verse, you know, attached to it or something like that, but it's coming from a biblical worldview. It's not going to generate pornographic images. You know what I mean? It's not going to generate trash like that. Um and, you know, it's a tool to improve our lives, to improve our ability to share the gospel, to uh, improve our ability to share our testimony. Do we need the computer to share the gospel? Of course we don't. Um, do we need the internet to share the gospel? Of course we don't. But does it help us to do that? Does it help us to expand our reach? Does it help, like, 300 people reach thousands or hundreds of thousands of people? Absolutely. Right. And AI is the exact same. It's it's no different. It's just a tool to augment our God given intelligence, right? That will revolutionize our work, whether it's film or music or writing, you know. Um, it's going to enhance our skills. Even if you're an engineer, it's gonna it could help you um, run equations or, you know, analyze things or look for patterns. Um, and we just need to kind of remember that it's an an expansion it's an extension of our intellect it's not a replacement of our intellect it can help us attain higher productivity higher creativity um you know in the same way that we have current tools that help us do those things as well and we should 
uh, we should want to do that um, for the glory, the glory of God. And, you know, I know we're kind of nearing the end of our show, Daniel, and you are obviously a, a theological ninja. And I know there's a lot, you know, of theological underpinnings to this conversation. You touched on it a little bit when you were kind of referring to the theology of the mind or the philosophy of the mind, um, the dualism, those sorts of things. The, when we started kind of uh, looking at man and kind of downgrading some of the metaphysical truths and divine truths that we've been given when it comes to who we are. You know, we are body and soul. We are, you know, there is material and there is immaterial, right? Um, you know, do you want to do you want to touch briefly on that? Like, just to kind of give the listeners, you know, g- bring them into that space, just give them a glimpse of it and how that affects this conversation. Uh. <laughs> well, you're far too kind. Uh, thank you. Uh, it, this is a big topic, obviously, but the popular thinkers that you'll hear uh, putting out stuff on this who are not at all in line with what we're saying, they see this as ennobling mankind, the human. This is a source of deification for some. This is how man will be as God. Uh, this is the Promethean fire, if you're familiar with that myth. This is all based on this, this problem started when the church let unbelievers and anti-Christians take over the philosophy of mind and determine what consciousness is. Because if you, if you, for the moment, for the sake of refuting it, adopt their worldview, and you say, well, right now, our consciousness is on the level of beasts. We're just a more evolved beast. Well, from that standpoint, I could see, oh, well, maybe if my consciousness becomes technological, it becomes this vast computing intelligence, that's better. Right? This is like a, an aberrant, a, a satanic form of post-millennialism, right? Well, we're going to be better humans yeah. 2.0. But this is, this is the lie of Karl Marx that when the means of production are seized, man 2.0 will come forth over and over and over. This is the lie of the serpent at its core, right? That you'll be as God, you'll be like gods. Right. So this is what we must always stand resolutely and firmly against, standing, as LaShawn said, firmly upon the word of God alone. And it's from that source that we understand that it's because we're the image and likeness of God that we think thoughts after him, that we take all thoughts captive unto his son, Jesus Christ, and that's the source of consciousness, and that will never be embedded in a machine the way that God ensouled us with our soul. Amen. And with that, uh, we want to just thank you all for listening in to the Apologetics.com radio show. This is Jason Gallagher and Daniel Adrian saying good night. And on light of our topic, I would say go and build for the glory of God. Until next time, uh, keep the faith. God bless you guys.